0: Farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbro Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over forty years. The
1: week in agriculture. This is the farming program.
0: Good morning.
2: I'm Andy Marsh in for Steve Orchard for a second week. He's having a well earned rest, although he is back next week. Now, on this week's programme, we hear how some tenant farmers aren't getting
3: their council tax rebates. There will be people within the talented sector of agriculture who are struggling to pay their household bills. We need to make sure that they have the same access to the support that the government is giving.
2: We'll be previewing next month's Groundswell Agriculture Show and Conference, where conservation methods will be discussed that some believe may have huge benefits for many
1: farmers. It's about minimising soil disturbance, it's about introducing livestock into rotation, it's lots of things but it's basically trying to mimic nature.
2: And there's a bit of a different take on the difficulties in the pig sector from an organisation which promotes the pork industry. A lot of
4: pig farmers are coming out of the industry. They're just packing up all together. The Week in Agriculture.
1: This is the Farming Programme.
2: Time now for a couple of items of news. New legislation to speed up the development and marketing of so-called gene-edited crops is being introduced by the government. Ministers said gene editing can help improve food security, producing crops that are more nutritious, climate-resilient or grow with less need for pesticides and fertilisers that damage wildlife and livestock, that's resilient to disease or needs fewer antibiotics. And some rather sad news. Last week saw a huge and spontaneous outpouring of grief following the announcement of the death of Caroline Drummond MBE, the chief executive of LEAF, that's the organisation behind Open Farm Sunday and so much more, aiming for climate-positive farming in the UK. LEAF stands for Linking Environment and Farming and was led by Caroline since its formation 30 years ago. We've spoken to Caroline many times on the farming programme over the years and what a remarkable, passionate and inspirational figure to the farming and countryside community she was. She's made an enormous lasting contribution and our food, environment and the farming industry is better off for her energetic work and leadership. Open Farm Sunday in just three weeks' time and all the other important work of leave continues, as it should, but I'm sure you'll join us here at the Farming Programme in sending our thoughts, prayers and sincere condolences to Caroline's family, friends and colleagues. And that's this week's Farming News.
5: The Week
1: in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme.
2: Now, as you no doubt noticed, Chancellor Ritchie Sunak announced new measures to help people struggling with the cost of living crisis this week. However, some tenant farmers have encountered difficulties accessing the previously announced council tax rebate scheme. I've been speaking to the chief executive of the Tenant Farmers Association, George Dunn, who explains more.
3: So the government has introduced this £150 rebate scheme for all occupants of dwellings that are in bands A to D of the council tax regime. Now, we have many members who are tenant farmers who are occupying properties on farms as a condition of their tenancy agreement, where the banding of those houses is very often above D, so they don't fall into the standard scheme. Um, and they will fall into the discretionary scheme instead, and there's no guarantee that local authorities will apply a discretionary scheme.
2: And these are people who really do genuinely need the help?
3: Yeah, I mean, like every walk of life, um, there will be people within the talented sector of agriculture who are struggling to pay their household bills. We need to make sure that they, along with everybody else, has the same access to the support that the government is giving, and if they happen to be in a dwelling where they are required to live by virtue of their tenancy agreement, uh, they shouldn't be excluded from getting this very important support.
2: And of course, the cost of living crisis has made this even more imperative, and that's why they're bringing this £150 rebate. But I guess it, it, it all adds up to a perfect storm. And If they're not getting this help, then therefore... They're going to struggle.
3: They will, and some of these farmhouses that we're talking about, Andy, are not to the standard that you might get in the private rented sectors. So they, they don't fall into the same uh, regulations with regards to things like uh, in, uh, the EPC regulations, the the energy performance certificates, and the thermal regulations. So some of these farmhouses... Uh, do need a lot of work and repair. So they're, they're, some of them are very large, big old piles to have to heat and run. So uh, it's very much the case that these individuals do need, uh, do need to access that support.
2: And in terms of local authorities and their discretion, is there any evidence at the moment that many local authorities are doing that or not doing that? Or is it too early to say?
3: I think what we are seeing is that uh, certain local authorities, particularly in in London the the southeast, where clearly they do have a, a, a more valuable housing stock, are beginning to look at what they might need to do in those areas. We haven't got any indication as yet that more rural local authorities are taking a view on this. So what we're advising our members to do is if they fall outside the standard scheme, that is, if they're, they're above a, a band D property, then they should contact the local authority to find out if there is a discretionary scheme available. If not, and they think there should be, then we're asking them to contact us so that we can follow that up with the local authority concerned.
2: In general terms, you obviously speak to tenant farmers. How bad for some of them? How bad are things out there? How much of a squeeze is it on them?
3: It is a real difficult time, and particularly when you look at the, the costs of running farm businesses, um, they have gone through the roof as well, as well as running households. And although people will point to the forward prices and how good they are, the the farm businesses and many of our members who, who don't own the farms that they run have to capitalize those very high costs. Uh, to get them to those prices, so it's a real struggle both in the business side of life and in the in the in running the household.
2: Thank you, George. Next, it's on to agronomy, and once again, we say a very good morning to Sean Sparling.
6: Yes, very good morning to you, Andy. Are you still here? Do you know? I think in the tw- I was thinking about it last week. In the 23 years I've been doing this farming programme, until last week, I don't think I can remember you hosting it before. But I suppose that's what happens if you fall asleep in a meeting, is it? <laughs> Sorry, Andy, couldn't resist it. Always good to speak to you, of course. Funny old week of weather then. Wet start, another half inch of rain Sunday into Monday, lovely day Monday, nice light winds. Then that wind picked up, and that was it. So, unless you got any spraying done over last weekend and on Monday, looks unlikely you're going to do an awful lot more before tomorrow now. So, with growth stages in all crops hurtling past, you may find that when you do get back out there in the field, you've missed some of the latest safe timings of the constituent part. Now, I know I keep banging on about this, but you really do need to just check that these crops are still safe to spray with the mix that you've been recommended to apply. Check the growth stage and check the product labels. Things like on Methyl, Fluoroxyper, cl- propargyl, Pinoxidin in cereals, Clethodim in linseed, Bentazone in beans, MCP, peas. even Conviso in smart beet has a growth stage restriction cut off of 8 leaves. So be safe to the crop and just check and prioritise the most forward moving crops. Growth regulators in winter cereals now pretty much too anyway so that's a no-brainer so just check that if you're still using plant growth regulators in your spring cereals as well because spring barleys have ears emerging fairly widely spring wheat and spring oats are running through their growth stages as well so as far as winter wheat winter barley goes then winter barley's pretty much done now t2s are on ears fully emerged and anthers are out disease levels very low unsurprising on some levels surprising on others and looking fair to middling i think it's fair to say winter wheat most if not all t2 flat leaf sprays are now on, so the next stop's going to be the T3, the ear wash, and as I said last week, the wheats are 10 to 14 days earlier than they would usually be, so many had the boots already splitting and the ears beginning to emerge as the T2s went on. It's all about temperatures when it comes to growth stages. Remember the filicron. You get a week like last week with 21 to 25 degrees Celsius and a leaf will come out within five to six days and a growth stage will go past in the same time. So it moves really quickly and these crops continue to do so so in those cases there will have been contact from the fungicide directly onto the ear anyway but it all depends upon the product that you've used as to whether it was any use against fusarium ear blight and the ear disease complex if it comes wet at growth stage 61 to 63 when the first signs of anther's presentation are visible then that's the time to specifically target the fusarium ear disease complex the ear fully free of the boots and prothiconazole, tebuconazole, metconazole probably the best choices for fusarium ear disease complex but even if you go and hit the perfect spraying day with the perfect dose of the perfect product in the perfect conditions in any season and it's way more noticeable in a bad fusarium year you will only ever do a 50% job of controlling the fusarium ear disease complex and the resulting dons zons and others that that brings with them And by the way, applying a T4 or even a T5 to further control fusarium after growth stage 63 is an absolute waste of your time and your money. Once it's in it's in and you've got about 24 hours from the beginning of flowering if it's wet to get that job under control and even then as i said only 50 under control you've got one shot so applying fungicides after that may not only be illegal and outside the label safe application growth stages but it'll be like standing in a bucket and trying to pick yourself up by the handle an absolute waste of time and effort there'll be those encouraging huge spends at t3 this year i'm sure saying or quoting the the high wheat prices as high as they are on the premise that another 50 quid uh, a hectare might well give you another half a ton. The fact is that if you haven't controlled the Septoria and the Rust etc by now with your T0, T1 and T2 a T3, T4 and even a T5 probably won't even give you the money back because the damage has already been done. And I'm guessing there are several people out there who were cutting way back at T1 during that dry spell and didn't feel the money was worth spending at that point. You know, I bet they're wishing they hadn't done that now. So there's plenty of septoria in the base of these cross, yellow rust about too, even where it wasn't cut back on. So a decent T2 is always going to be preferable to a panicky T3. Um, as far as Fusarium ear disease goes, timing is absolutely everything, as I've just said. So a well-timed five quids worth of Tebuconazole at T3 will do as much good as anything else. Timing, 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 not spend, spend, spend. A few issues out there, by the way, with trek containing products like you that's we'll come back to over the next few weeks as it becomes a little bit more clear as to the problem. so watch this space peas and beans full of flowers full of bees and beneficials as well so no insecticide unless absolutely necessary if you do have to use one use the kindest to the beneficials the one with the best profile and don't apply where the bees are foraging or when the bees are foraging so best to go after dark for minimum impact on the beneficials and the bees sugar beet meeting in the row a month before Lincolnshire show we need to get that rhyme updated this year and you know I'm on the lookout for those wingless nymphs out there the wingless misers, persicae the dose of neonicotinoid on the beet seed this year is lower than before not quite half as much but not far off so we're assuming there are going to be 10 weeks protection from the date of drilling from cruiser and then you have Topeki, followed by insis, followed by Mavento at most. So don't waste them and don't panic. With sugar beet over 12 leaves, that one nymph per four plants has dropped to one nymph per plant. And the severity of virus, if it does come in late, i.e. after 12 leaves of the crop, is much reduced because the plant's natural resistance has already kicked in. Now, I've yet to find any wingless nymph on my cruiser-treated sugar beet, but my eyes are wide open and I'm constantly looking because I'm approaching that 10-week spot now. Weed control's pretty good in the sugar beet this year. Crop effects more visible than we've had in recent years. Dry and stressy, though, and urea applications, things like Debut, in particular, are flecking those leaves yellow. But the weeds are hurting more than the beet, so I'm not worrying about that. Also, just watch the total doses of things like Femmedifameth, Afumisate, Lenosyl top those up before you go out putting something on which may take you over the three year legal. Spring rape, what can I say about spring rape? Flea beetle making a meal out of mine, you know, where it's actually bothered to come through the ground and we have yet to get to the pollen beetle stage which is going to probably finish off what's left of the spring oilseed rape so not a great year for my spring oilseed rape I sympathise with you if you decided to grow it so that'll do from me but I'd also just want to add my condolences to the family of my good friend Caroline Drummond who through all of her efforts and dedication leaves her organisation in a very, very good place and Leaf is always going to be synonymous with Caroline Drummond and it is in the best of order, thanks to Caroline hugely saddened by that news of Caroline's passing, I've known her for over 30 years and she was a true inspiration to our entire industry, you will be sadly missed Caroline, so sleep well Okay, so let's see what the next 7 days bring
2: Thank you, Sean, and have a good week.
0: The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years.
2: Now, next month, the Groundswell Agricultural Show and Conference in North Hertfordshire will be taking place. Sadly, for farmers in Lincolnshire, it may be difficult to go to, as it's exactly the same two dates as the Lincolnshire Show. Nevertheless, it's a chance to find out about conservation agriculture, which is what the Groundswell event is all about. Here's Paul Cherry, who's one of the event directors.
1: It's now a conference and a farming show, which started six years ago, just as a sort of drill show, and then we'd sort of realised that actually it was more interesting to not just sort of people looking at machinery, but also to be able to learn and listen to experts from all over the world. And so we now run the seven stages, have all the major direct drills drilling into cover crops, about 200 static exhibitors on on site
2: and you sort of have a philosophy that underpins the whole of this about different ways of working for agriculture when you're talking about the soil
1: absolutely i mean regenerative agriculture is a relatively new term if you'd said it five years ago people wouldn't really know what it was the philosophy behind regenerative is to look after the soil because the soil is looking after us looking up to the soil in a very broad context. It's about minimising soil disturbance. It's about introducing livestock into the rotation. It's lots of things, but it's basically trying to mimic nature. And In nature, soil is very rarely disturbed. The more you can let soil get on with it, introduce living roots into the soil, then you'll get more back from the soil and hopefully spend less money it's a compelling argument there are lots of benefits but it's also not just a case of throwing away the plough you know it's far more complicated than that as we know soil varies so much in this country that was really how Grantswell started we just realized that there was so much knowledge to receive and to impart that we thought well why don't we put a show on
2: And you're talking about conservation there, but also this is a key, crucial point from my understanding, which is that actually this could help profitability and it can help farmers.
1: I think increasing yields is probably pretty ambitious at an an early stage. Early stage is definitely reduced costs. Farming's got into this manic spending, spending cycle. We've had a, a sort of full blast of food production, which is all great, but regen ag is about sort of just taking your foot off the pedal a bit, reducing costs increasing natural fertility, hopefully maintaining yields, but certainly not increasing yields in the early stage. You will have yield reduction, but if your costs go down, then the bottom line should be okay or ultimately better. It's a big thing for a farmer to switch, but now we're seeing the end of subsidies and the next five years to work out how to farm without subsidies. I think that is where farmers are having to look to perhaps just not getting off the sort of industrial farming treadmill and perhaps looking another way of doing it. And George Eustace will be there this year. He's making some announcement on the SFI. Minette Batters is there. So, you know, so we get a very wide range of people coming.
2: OK, finally, if I can ask you just to tell us if somebody's listening to this and they are interested, give us the dates and how they go about going.
1: Go on to groundswellag.com. The show is on 22nd, 23rd of June. Come and join the party.
2: Thanks, Paul. Next, we all know about the very real difficulties currently in the pig sector. Two weeks ago, Steve spoke to the National Pig Association Chief Executive, Zoe Davis, and at the Nottinghamshire County show in Newark, I ran into Natalie Kirkham, who's from Ladies and Pigs, and asked her about the situation. But first, just in case you don't know, let's find out about exactly what Ladies and Pigs do.
4: Ladies and Pigs are a group of ladies who go around the countryside to shows and into schools, educating people about the pork industry.
2: In a nutshell, and that's it?
4: Yes, that's it.
2: <laughs> now, it's a tough time at the moment. Uh, just how tough are things?
4: Uh, extremely tough. I've, I was recently at the pig and poultry fair in Stoneleigh. I think the sort of selling of the pigs is picked up a little bit, but then the price of the feed is quite high, so the price of the pigs is not meeting the price of the feed, so people are really struggling
2: still. Is that feed issue, is that to do with the Ukrainian crisis? I think
4: part of it is to do with the UK and Ukrainian crisis and then we can't see in the future what the harvests are going to be this year, so nobody's looking on the bright side at the minute.
2: And I gather you've had problems with getting people to process pigs.
4: I mean, I'm not involved in that side of it, really, but there has been a shortage of staff now. I don't want to blame Brexit, but I think since that's happened and people have gone back, to, back home, there has been a shortage of staff in the processing places, in the factories and in the slaughterhouses. So I think people have been struggling to get the pigs actually off the farm and actually processed. And I think it, it, pigs have been killed on farm because they can't get them through to the, the processing sites
2: which must be very difficult you obviously work with pig farmers to a certain extent i mean how are they you say it's not easy but in terms of their outlook their optimism presumably that's well down on what it would be
4: yes it is yeah yeah I don't, a lot of pig farmers are coming out of the industry they're just packing up all together or they're taking the they're, they're clearing out and taking a break to think about it see whether they think it's worth going back into it because there's various routes, and they can, if they're breeding units, they could go into bed and breakfast units, but I think a lot of people are thinking, well, is it really worth it?
2: So tough times. Are there any green shoots at the moment?
4: Mm.
2: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I can't really think of any. I mean, if the pig price goes up, then possibly, but we're relying on, on processors paying for it, so whether they will or not, it's a different matter.
2: In terms of demand, is pork still... Uh, obviously you've got vegetarianism which has grown in popularity is it still sort of holding its own?
4: I think it has dropped slightly but it's, it's just a funny situation I think at the moment because I think uh, processors can't always get the right sort of pigs ex- to do with the welfare standards they probably can get one welfare standard, but then there's RSPCA and outdoor bread, and they can't get enough of one sort. So I think it just depends what you're actually producing. But I don't think there's anybody across the board saying we're having a wonderful time at the minute.
2: And my thanks go out to Natalie. Time for the market reports now. First livestock from Louth Livestock Market Auctioneer, Oliver Chapman.
5: Good morning, Andy. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth for Monday, the 23rd of May. Starting with the prime cattle, which the steers average all in 248.36 pence per kilo and sell to a top of 260 pence per kilo or £1,621 for F. Wallace and son of Biscathorpe while the heifers all in average 256.59 pence per kilo and sell to a top for J&S Brooks of Strubby at £269 pence per kilo and gross £1,570. On to the cool cows with an all in average of £149.5 pence per kilo with a top for John Thirlby of Kexby 150 pence per kilo, or £1,098 per head. That wraps the cattle up, and moving on to the sheep, starting with the prime lambs. A larger show forward this week, with better meat and quality lambs on offer, saw a tremendous trade right the way through, with an SQQ average of 318.27 pence per kilo, with an all-in average of 315.17 pence per kilo. Top price in the pounds per head went to Shaw Brothers of Bimbrook with some Suffolk Cross Texels at £143.50. While the pence per kilo section was topped by a tremendous trio of Beltex bred lambs from Scribblesby Farms Ltd selling to a high of £340.00 per kilo. Moving on to the Prime Hogs and just a handful on offer with plenty of end of draw sheet forward. An SQQ of £249.77 pence per kilo which sure a top for CF Middleton and Son at £124.00 per head while J.S. and D. Bingham topped the pence per kilo section at 289 pence. Finally, on to the cool ewes and another fantastic show, which saw plenty of well-finished continental-bred use on offer to leave an all-in average of £124.31. Top this week came twice for C.F. Middleton & Son at £198. A huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week. Both prime lambs and cool sheep and prime and cool cattle are required weekly to meet buy demand, so please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons' and Louth market and thank you
2: and Thank you, Oliver and with the grain market review here's open fields Alice Killam. and good morning to you Alice
0: It's been a confusing week for markets as far as I'm concerned, starting with wheat, the start of the week saw a few days full of volatility. Wheat markets were initially supported Monday morning until the release of crop conditions and planting figures started the fall. Tuesday morning, London wheat did well versus its compatriots due to the weakness of the pound, but these gains soon turned into reasonable losses post 3pm when US markets opened sharply lower. A combination of anticipated planting progress on U.S. maize and the news that Russia may be ready to provide a humanitarian corridor for food vessels out of Ukraine seem to be the main driver for the latest sell-off. Unfortunately, the story omitted the most pertinent point, that this would need to be in return for the lifting of sanctions, which is extremely unlikely. It comes down to whether we think this story has legs or not. Whatever happens from here, some traders became negative and saw this as a time to sell – There were also commentators who were talking up dry weather set to return to France, predicting the estimated damage this may cause to their crop. India, having banned wheat exports under a fortnight ago, and now in the process of setting up a deal to supply neighbouring Bangladesh. There will be many twists and turns and rumours in the coming weeks and months, but there are clearly major concerns regarding global food shortages, which will be exacerbated the longer the war continues. Moving on to barley, though the wheat values have pushed barley higher with it, it has started to hit the barrier against other markets. We need to export barley and against other alternatives, the gap between wheat and barley for the moment has opened up again to between £25 and £35 for harvest uplift. Malting barley-wise, with harvest so close, most are now sitting back hoping that quality is made to benefit from premiums which still sit at highs not seen for many years. With the wheat futures down this week, technically the new crop malting premium over feed has increased. But that will only be temporary, for with improved spring barley prospects, malting barley growers are now selling new crop at these historically record high prices and premiums, with more traded in the last week than for some time. If the feed grain market remains on the defensive, the malting premiums will narrow and further reduce. And don't forget the whole grain complex still contains a war premium, which will come out when any ceasefire agreement is reached. Onto the oilseed rape markets. Wednesday saw markets come down on the back of the safe corridors news, with motif rapeseed falling to a seven week low. The demand for soy oil has plunged in China, who is the world's biggest user, as Covid lockdowns have shut restaurants. This is creating questions about the demand for imported beans and concerns over growth in the wider economy as the government's COVID policy is pushing Chinese equity markets lower. Storing rapeseed, if possible, seems the most logical solution in a market that remains one of the most volatile. On to your prices for this week, starting with feed wheat, August 285 to 295, September 300 to 314, November 302 to 316 with milling wheat premiums between 18 and 26 pounds. Feed barley August 270 to 280, September 277 to 287 and November 280 to 290. For malting barley premiums please speak to your open field farm business manager. Finally, on to all seed rape, July 650 to 660, September 653 to 663, and November 658 to 668. So, plenty to think about. Have a great weekend, everyone.
2: Thank you, Alice.
1: The Farming Programme Five Day Forecast.
2: Well, today's going to be fairly cloudy, the odd brighter spell and a bit of a breeze, highs of a fairly cool 12 Celsius. Monday, similar, but with a chance of the odd shower. That's a high of 13. Tuesday, a little bit warmer, tops of 15 Celsius. The odd shower once again possible. Lighter winds on Wednesday, but with rain possible and temperatures only topping 12. Thursday and Friday, a little warmer, but with a chance of showers and fairly light breezes.
1: This is the Farming Programme.
2: Well, I've enjoyed presenting the Farming Programme for the last couple of weeks. Next week, we'll return to Steve Orchard. He'll see you then.
0: The farming program with Arroquartz Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their
1: friendly experts.